So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, again, last week we looked at the mirror version of that. Um, I just want to look at that one more time in the uh, mirror study Bible. But Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, you just want to listen along because you probably don't have a mirror study Bible. Um, but he says, the revelation of righteousness is the meat of God's word. Babes live on milk, the prophetic shadow of the real, which was to come. So does everyone who is not pierced in the ear of his heart by the revelation of Christ. And this word piercing is tested by piercing. It is God's act of righteousness in Christ restored in mankind's blameless innocence. It is a repetition of that piercing. So it is a repetition of hearing the word. And it is a repetition of experiencing that word. That it gets pierced into your heart and not into your mind so that you can live from this realm. You see, the mind is a good tool and it is a good tool to have, but it is not a good master. And we need to bring even the mind under submission to that of Christ Jesus and the Spirit of Christ. And where our spirit is no, no longer separated, it is not my spirit and his spirit. It is one spirit, for I have become one with Christ Jesus. In fact, one of the words that we looked at this past Wednesday night, it says that word is seamless, meaning you can't even tell where one starts and one begins because it is seamless in its unity. Isn't that beautiful? So here we go, and we've been under this for a while. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, Romans chapter 4, uh, Romans chapter 5, talking about this revelation of righteousness. But this revelation of righteousness is not, what I've been talking about for the last three weeks, is not just for me and mine. It is not just so that I can sit back, right? When we talk about the rest of God, it doesn't mean that I become lazy. What it means is I am resting in Him and His finished work, and I become who he made me to be from the very beginning. What he had written over my scroll from the very beginning. And I become that so that I be that. Not that I do that or I strive that or try that, but that I become that. You see what I'm saying? So as we're becoming who we were meant to be, the last few weeks of what I've been trying to say is what should start coming and flowing out of this place. Right? Not just out of this building, but out of you. You are a temple. You host the presence of God. So you should be going out. And what should be going out, what should be taking place? One of the things that Brent talked about earlier today uh, in a testimony. Right? What if he had not stepped in? Might be praying over surgery right now, right? If he stood it, stand his ground, right? He could have said, I'm not going to say that because the doctors pretty much said it, so I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get egg on my face, right? Right? Did he do that? He didn't back down. He's like, I've already seen what the Word says. I've already heard from Papa. Not going to allow that kind of talk, Right? Stand the ground. We are bringing heaven to earth. And it's an engaging, right? It is a, we are going in, but we're also bringing out what he has already established in heaven so that it is established on this earth. In Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, I know um, that's not in the Passion because Passion is not finished with the Old Testament yet, but Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Ask the Lord... For the rain in time of the latter are the spring rain. Ask the Lord for the rain in the time of it. Now think about that. In that season, in that age that is to come, he's talking about and he's prophesying of the time that we're living in. That latter rain is always represented of the pouring out of what? Spirit of God. And it was poured out on the day of Pentecost and it is here. In fact, Peter says... Don't be talking about them being drunk. Let me tell you what this is. This is what was mentioned in the book of Joel, right? And he's saying this is a pouring out in Joel chapter 2, verse 21 through 29. I want to read that real quick. But, it, but I want you to think about what he is prophesying out. In Joel chapter 2, verse 
and I'm having used different Bibles up here, so I'm, I'm going back and forth. So in Joel chapter 2, let's see. Let's go to verse uh, 21. In verse 21, this is what um, the, the prophecy is. So if you, think, if you go back to reading that whole chapter, it sounds like a bunch of gloom and doom and things that are going to be happening on this earth, right? If you look around today, you think there's a bunch of gloom and doom and happening on this earth, right? In the midst of all of that that's taking place, the, Joel says this. Like when you're looking around, you're seeing all that. This is what he says in verse 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. We're not the people in this room are not the ones to go out and start complaining about what we're seeing or what we're not seeing. Because if you're getting into that place, you're seeing plenty. If you're staying in this place, you're seeing plenty of the wrong thing. And he says, you got to get in that place. And he says, fear not, O land. Be glad, rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, you wild beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness has sprung up and are green. The tree bears its fruit, and the fig tree and the vine yield their full strength. Let me tell you something. He said that a while ago, Mississippi River, she's a going dry, like Hank Williams said, right? <laughs> The fish might start to worry. Man, they got catfish in their biggest this room. They might be getting a little worried. He says, O beast of the field, all these things of the earth who are waiting, who are groaning on eager expectation for the sons of God to rise up and to take their place. He says, be not afraid because there is a generation coming who's going to pray for the rain in the latter day, who's going to pray for the Spirit of God in the day where the Spirit of God is working and it is moving. Be glad, verse 23, then, you children of Zion. Who? Children of Zion. Not children of America, not children of China, not children of Russia, not children of Ukraine, not children of Honduras, children of Zion, which is where we are, not in some, not in some future tense version of us, where we are seated now in Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he gives you the former early or early rain in just measure and in righteousness, and he causes to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain as before. Verse 24. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with juice or the grape and the oil. Now remember, for time's sake, I didn't read this whole chapter. Go back to the beginning of the chapter. Sounds like gloom and doom everywhere. It's craziness all around the earth. Looks like we're all going to be destroyed. This is the people of Zion. And I will restore a place for you the years that the locust is eaten. The hopping locust, the stripping locust, the crawling locusts. My great army which I sent among you and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. And you shall know and understand and realize that I am in the midst of Israel. And the eye of the Lord and your God and there is none else. My people shall never be put to shame. And afterward I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is what he was quoting in Acts. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and upon the maid servants in those days will I pour out my spirit. Says the Lord. Zion, I mean Zechariah 10 verse 1. What we just read. Ask the Lord for the rain during this time. During this time, when we are living in this season, and I'd like to, to make a broader statement, not season, but age. In this age that we are living presently in, to say this, ask for it. You don't have because you don't ask. My spirit is here, yes. Meaning, His omnipresence is all over the place, but we're asking for a tangible presence that will be made and made, made known in the land. Right? And he says, do what? Pray for it. Ask for it. Ask for this during that time. 
Pray for something that is already happening or is to happen during this age. Bring it down. Right? What did Jesus say? This is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, help me in the name thy kingdom. Come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is bringing it here. It's already available, but it's up to his people to bring it and establish it here. When we don't see the answers to prayers, we don't blame God and call it his sovereign will. Amen. I'm going to say it again. We do not blame God and call it His sovereign will whenever nine times out of ten it is our fault that it's not happening here on the earth. He established in Genesis, I'm establishing this place and I'm releasing it to you. We gave it away. He comes back. He gives it back to us, recommissions us. It says, now go again. I'm releasing it back to you. But yet we bought the lie that says, no, I'm just going to twiddle my thumbs. Remember that post I gave you this week? Twiddle my thumbs on my pew till Jesus comes back. It's the old sinner saved by grace. You were an old sinner saved by grace for a nanosecond when that transition was transitioning from old to new, from death to life. For a nanosecond, you were just a poor, pitiful sinner saved by grace. But now you are redeemed, you are whole, you are bought with a price. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the head, you are not the tail, you are above, you are not beneath. You're a lender to me, nations never had to borrow. Everything you touch and everything you have is blessed and prosperous for His kingdom's sake. You're new. You're brand new. The accusing voice. I told my son, one of my sons back there, my spiritual sons, this morning, could listen to the accusing voice. The accusing voice is gone. And sometimes that accusing voice is us. Quit listening to it. Don't listen to that accusing voice any longer. So the lack of answers to prayers is not on God's end of the equation, I said. Bill Johnson said it this way. We often pray enough to ease our conscience, but not enough to make a difference. Bill always got some words, don't he? <laughs> I'm going to read that again. We often pray enough to ease our conscience, but not enough to make a difference. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, I already prayed about that. And he didn't answer it, so I guess that's just a will. Mm. Boy, aren't you glad Jesus didn't walk and talk like that? <laughs> but yet he set the example for us. And we buy too many of uh, the lies. One of the things that, uh, one thing we learned um, a couple years back, um, Robbie Dawkins, we are listening to him, and talked about faith being fulfilled in the word risk that to have faith faith is equal to risk that you got to risk you got to take a risk brent took a risk this week it could have looked like a dummy (laughs) 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 but it could have been see you just you're just not using common sense there ain't no common sense Because then I'm leaning on my own understanding. <laughs> and the book of Proverbs says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So it is not about my understanding and it is not about my common sense, but it is simply by the word of God. And his blood is speaking a better word. And whenever my brother spoke into that, other, into that situation and said, no, we're sta- well, I'm putting a stake in it right here. We're not going to say that again. We're going to put a stake in it right here, and we're going to call it finished. Get the phone call just a few hours later. You ain't going to believe this. Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> no surge. Right? Robbie Dawkins is who we give credit to that for, but I actually looked it up, and uh, actually John Wimber was one of the first ones that ever said that faith equals risk, so I give credit to John. But... Um, 
when we think about that jumping out there and taking risk, a lot of times what we've done are, I don't know what you did. I just say me and my personal walk and, and, and religion and things of that nature. What I was taught to do is we just pray, put your petition out there, you pray it, you don't see it, then God's got other plans, right? He just, he has a bigger plan, right? We just don't understand your, his ways are higher than our ways, so says the Lord, right? We'll go to the New Testament when he's quoting that scripture, and whenever he says his ways are higher than our ways, but he says, but I have, but I have given you the mind of Christ. So why? You can understand what God's wanting you to do, so that then you can do it here on the earth, right? God gets blamed for a lot of things that are happening, but he also gets blamed for a lot of things that are not happening whenever he's already given us authority and rulership over. A lot of times we don't do that part and take the risk. In James chapter 2, what did he say? Faith without works is dead. So are we justified by our works? No. He's just saying a man who has faith is all of a sudden going to be shown up in his life. It's going to be followed by it. That signs and wonders will follow those, Jesus said, that what? Believe. Believe with their heart, not their mind. So go with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And I'm going to read out the message version. I told you I got several versions I'm using this morning. But Joshua chapter 6, verse 6. Very familiar passage to us, but I want us to remember the story. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and told them, Take up the chest of the covenant. Seven priests are to carry seven rams, horn, trumpets, leading God's chest. And then he told the people, Set out, march around the city, have the armed guard march before the chest of God. And it happened. Joshua spoke, and the people did what? They moved. Man, think how great it would be is every time that the Lord spoke to us, we didn't sit there and wait. When he says wait upon the Lord, he did not mean after he gave you a word. That was before the word. When you get the word, then you got a responsibility with the word. But the responsibility is obey. Those who love me will obey me, Jesus said. Right? He blew the trumpets, armed guard marched ahead of the trumpet blowing priests, and the rear guard was marching after the chest, marching and blowing their trumpets. Joshua had given orders to the people, don't shout. In fact, don't even speak, not so much as a whisper, until you hear me say shout, and then shout away. And they're following in order of what he told them. The word of the Lord has said this, so do exactly what the word of the Lord says. And any of that stuff was not common sense. None of it. And it sure wasn't in any kind of army leader general plan of attack in any notebook whatsoever, right? But yet, because it was the word of the Lord, they says it doesn't have to make sense. Did you hear me? It doesn't have to make sense. God's calling you to do some things. There's some people that are struggling in your circle. You are in their circle for a reason. You are not in their circle by mistake. You are in their circle for a reason. You are at your job for a reason. You are at the person at the grocery store for a reason. You're at the gas station for a reason. You're wherever you're at at that moment to be light into the dark world. But if we hide back and don't obey the voice of the Lord, then the light is still snuffed out. You know, whenever he says, don't put it under a bushel, right? Why? Wasn't so that we could sing a song, this little light of mine, and have some good little lyrics. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. That was not why. He was telling us that because if we hold back, we quench the Spirit of God, which means we're quenching back the light from invading darkness. So here these people are. They did not care that it did not make sense. They just simply were obedient. I can tell you right now, nothing about what we're doing in this room. And the only reason, if you don't know me saying this, is if you have your head in the sand. 
There is nothing in this room that makes sense to the people outside this room. And I'm talking about even good old-fashioned going to church every week people too. You do not make sense to them. But let me tell you something. I didn't make sense to me when I walked away from everything I knew either. I had almost forgot this until somebody mentioned it last week. But there was a time when we left all that that I felt like I was doing something evil by not going to church on a Sunday night. That's how much religious oppression I had in my life. That I felt, I felt like darkness was around me and I felt like it was just a, like this oppression over me. Like I got to hurry up and go to church on a Sunday night or God's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> Judah said, not me. <laughs> but you see what God had to start doing? One layer at a time, he just began to strip religion off of me. One layer at a time, he began to strip self-righteousness off of me. One layer at a time, he just began to just keep removing. And I'm telling you right now, it was some of the most painful experience I've ever experienced in my life. But at the same time, I can look back and say it's been the most freeing thing I've ever done in my life at the same time. When the consuming fire of love begins to burn, sometimes it hurts. but it solidifies everything in you that needs to be there. And it's not based off of common sense. And it's not based off of everything you think is the way it should happen. It's based off of hearing the Word and just simply being obedient to it. Simple faith. That's why faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. May not look like it at first, but brother, it's leveled some mountains in my life since that day. And I'm starting to see more clear and more clear and more clear because you know why? When I get single, the light is lit in. Yeah. The light is in. The light is in. So Joshua gave them these orders in verse 10. Don't shout. In fact, don't even speak not so much as a whisper until you hear me say, why do you think he told them don't talk? They what? Say it again. They probably mess it up. Why? Because he knew the authority was in the power of the what? Tongue. He said, don't speak. I don't. Look. He's like, I know where I came from. I know our ancestors. And we wouldn't even be this far behind in this generation if they would have just closed their mouth. Right? And so he's starting this journey, and he's the leader now, and he's like, uh-uh, we ain't finna fall in the same traps that they did. We got to learn our lesson. You just keep your mouth closed, just be obedient. That's all we need to do. Right? Don't say you don't understand. Don't say, well, I don't know why God would ask us to do something so stupid. This can't be right. Why, would he, why can't he just do it? If he's God, why don't he just do it on the first day? Why well, we got to do it multiple days? Shut your mouth. Don't say a word. Just do what he asked. Right? Because he didn't want to be canceled out. So then, verse 11, he sent the chest on God on his way around the city. It circled once, came back to the camp, and stayed for the night. Joshua's er up early the next morning, and the priest took up the chest of God. Seven priests carrying the seven ram's horn trumpets marched before the chest of God, marching and blowing the trumpets with the armed guard marching before and the rear guard marching after, marching and blowing of the trumpets. Who in their right mind sends out the praise team to a battle? That ought to tell you something about your worship that you're doing this morning. We're opening the way. We're making a way. Right? And on the second day, they again circled the city once and returned to the camp. They did this six days. Did they see a breakthrough in those six days? How many breakthroughs did they get those six days? Zero. We don't get it in six minutes. We're like, well, God, He didn't answer that prayer. Let's go on something else. Let's try something else. Being honest, I've been there. You've been there. It didn't happen the first six seconds I asked. Like we think, we just say, poof. Right? 
Well, we, must, we didn't get the right formula. Go back and try to get another formula. Let's try to do it in six seconds again. They just simply, we don't understand, just being obedient. We don't understand, just simply being obedient. Don't understand, simply being obedient. Day five, don't understand, simply obedient. Day six, don't understand, just be obedient. And when the seventh day came, verse 15, they got up early and marched around the city this same way, but seven times. Yes, this day they circled the city seven times, and on the seventh time around the priest blew the trumpets, and Joshua signaled the people, Shout! God has given you the city. So this time he didn't even, for the first time ever, he's asking them to do what? Use their what? Mouth. Release it. Release it. God has given it to you. And the city and everything is under a holy curse offered up to God, except for Rahab, the harlot, to live, and she and everyone from her house with her because she hid the agents we sent. And then what happened? What happened to all those walls? Fail. Boom. To the ground. Right? And then they were done, right? It's all over. Nope. Keep reading the story. That was just, what? Say it again? It just started. It just started. What they were obedient to, they still had to go in and take the territory. Right? They still had to go in and take the territory. Think about it like this. So the process of marching, let's just let's call it that our prayer. We go in, we're marching, we're praying. We're praying, we're marching, right? And at the right moment, we get to a level of faith. Just like when we're singing up here sometimes. Like we start off, and, but then all of a sudden something begins to rise in us, right? And we shout. And there's something that happens in the spiritual realm where we are open to another place of victory. But what happens so often in our prayer life is we get to that place and we shout and we raise the roof, but we never go out and conquer the city. You see, they got to the place. The victory was, was right there. Walls fall down. And we're praying for walls to fall down, walls to fall down. But then they still had to take power and authority and go into the city and take it. See, the victory was already spoken in that situation of Brent's earlier. It was already spoken. But then he had to go in and take the city. Had he not gone in and take the city, I believe it would have been a different outcome. Simple as that. We get the breakthrough. He's like, I'm opening it up for you. Come on. Let's take it. Let's take it down. Right? They still had to go into it. Right? So prayer removes the obstacles for victory. I wrote this down. But it is the act of faith that takes us into the city to take possession of what we've already obtained in prayer. It doesn't take a lot of faith for me to go in and for me to hear from God. It takes faith equals, remember, risk for me then to go and give that word. Right? How many times, Madison, you got a word and you were scared to give it? Which was harder, hearing it or saying it to the person? Saying it. Why? Because it takes risk. That takes the faith. Right? Second Chronicles 7.14, very familiar passage to all of us. You could probably quote it, say it right now if I asked you to. But it's the passage. If my people will what? Humble themselves and pray. So there's a couple of things in that passage that I just want to break down for you. Humble, which is a place of surrender. So when we come into that place, something that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, especially on Wednesday nights, we come into that place in His realm, surrendered. Like saying, here I am. That living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. I am surrendering myself. I'm surrendering my wants. I'm surrendering my desires. I'm surrendering my selfishness. I'm surrendering my thought process. I'm surrendering my common sense process. I'm just surrendering and saying, I'm just here. All of me, God, I'm bringing into your presence. If they will humble themselves, pray and seek my what? face. 
John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That word is pros, meaning face to face, meaning now that we can have face to face intimacy. Then in, in chapter 3, he says in verse 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We get hung up on live forever. Jesus, later on, same book. All this is in the book of John. Book of John, chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus says, do you want to know what eternal life is? It is to know Him, the Father, intimately. So humble myself, surrendering all that I am, all my wants, all my desires, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I am going to Him with that surrender. I say it all the time. The problem with Romans 12, verse 1, that says that we are a living sacrifice is a living sacrifice can walk off the altar at any time. So it has to come from a place of surrender. Where I always want to pick it back up and take it myself. Surrender. And when I'm going into that place of praying, not in a place of all my list and petitions, but a place of intercessory, in a place of communion with my Father. I seek His face. I seek intimacy with Him. I'm not even seeking for an answer. I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not looking for something. I'm not trying to make it up. I'm just simply seeking His face. Then, He says, Oh, and turn from their wicked ways, which means hamartia, which is the disease of sin, which is the disease of self, which is simply the wrong thinking. Turn from it. Turn from thinking I know it all, thinking that the world has all the answers, thinking that religion has all the answers. Turn from all those ways of thought process, and then I will hear from heaven and heal, not just you, but the land. Romans, again, the earth is on tiptoe in eager expectation, waiting for the sons of God to rise up and take their place. Not only so that the people can be healed, but that the land too. What did that pastor say in Joel chapter 2? Even the beasts, don't be afraid. The beasts of the earth, don't be afraid. The animals of the earth, don't be afraid because there's a generation coming that's going to bring in and usher in a healing of the nations with His manifest presence with his manifest presence. So Matthew chapter 6, as I said earlier, 33, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, right? So I just want to practice again as we've come in the habit of doing lately. I just want you to put everything away. I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to rest for a minute. We're going to take our time. I tried, I tried to keep Keep the word short as possible. Give you as much meat as quick as possible because I really feel like this is some of the most important part right here. Just get still. This is the part he's talking about whenever he says, be still and know that I am God. As we're entering into his presence, entering into his courts with thanksgiving, it's a place of surrender. It's not a place of I'm trying to figure it out. Not a place if I don't get some answers today, I'm turning my back on you. Now we all in this room have problems and situations that we want him to invade in. But right now is not that prayer. Right now is simply surrender and seeking intimacy with a father who is so deeply and madly in love with you. One that says... You are forgiven. One that says you are chosen. One that says you are my beloved. One that says I delight in you. I dance over you. One that says you are not far away. But you are so near. One that has an invitation. And no matter what you think your past is like, an invitation that says, come sit in my lap and I'll hold you. 
I'll hold you. I will hold you. Psalm 91, under the shadow, El Shaddai's wings. Just feel the brush of his feathers as he holds you. That's the secret place. Enemy don't know nothing about the secret place. He can't get there. As I seek His face, I just want to begin to turn my affection toward Him. Papa, I love you. I don't care if you can't think of anything else. You could just continue to repeat, Papa, I love you. You're worthy. You're good. You're better than I can think. You're better than I can imagine. a way where there seemed to be no way. Just tell him how good he is. know what I've done. You don't know what it's like. The Father looks at you with His loving eyes. says, I know you more intimately than you even know yourself. And I love you. 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 Yeah, but you don't understand. See, I was so close to God. And everybody thought I was so close to God, but yet I was... In fact, I was... I couldn't be more further from God... And at one time in your life, you heard this, you heard this verse. This is for somebody here today, I don't know who you are. But you heard one time in your life, there's a verse in scripture that says, if you walk away, once you've tasted and you've walked away, you'll never be able to come back. And the Father says, that the enemy has used that against you. That you didn't even understand what that scripture really even meant. And he's used it to torment you, and he's used it against you. He says, I've never left. In fact, I've been pursuing you. And I'm saying, just let go, son. Just let it go. Just let it go. You don't have to understand. Just let it go. left you. As we're in this place, we just begin to get a renewal of the mind. And our minds become renewed to truth. Pilate looked at Jesus, he says, and what is truth? Truth speaks for itself. Jesus didn't even have to open his mouth, but just stare into his eyes. In other words, you want to know what truth is? You want to know who you were supposed to be? From the very beginning, just look at Christ. That's truth. That's your truth. That's your new truth. That's your new identity in Christ Jesus. To get a renewed mind.
I can't turn away from my wicked ways until I know who I really am.
You don't have to understand it. But just simply believe. space real quick for anyone here that you feel like you need somebody joining the gap with you to lay hands on you to pray over you just raise your hand we'll get somebody to you Just, if 
you're not with somebody right now praying, just go in the spiritual realm right now. Let's just pray in the spirit. Begin to break through for these people. Begin to pray. Begin to release into the atmosphere the things that He has for us. you to do in Jesus name. Amen. Love you guys.